everybody should use generative AI, full stop. Like it's just the number one piece of, let's forget brands, let's forget, just forget general career advice right now. Use it, become a native, just become comfortable with it um, because it's going to be here and you need to be on top of it. It's exactly the same thing as when Excel and Microsoft and all those things came along or Mail came along or the iPhone came out, any of those things. Just, just get comfortable with it. Then you need to get creative. How do I apply this to the things I'm trying to do? Can you believe it hasn't even been a year since ChatGPT launched for public use? It launched on November the 30th, 2022. And I'm assuming most people listening to this pod have used it, but if you haven't, you've definitely heard about it because it became the fastest growing app in internet history in terms of user base. And the reason I mention that is it brings us on to the topic of conversation for today. We're talking all things generative AI with Paul Edwards from Bloomreach. We unpack how this game-changing technology that seems to be able to predict the future by analyzing the past is transforming the e-commerce landscape as we know it. We'll dive into how AI can enhance user experiences, personalize customer engagement, and even shape conversational commerce. We move on to asking the question, what's the role of human creativity in this AI revolution? Stick around and find out. I know you're going to love this episode with Paul. Let's get into it. Growing a business can be an absolute nightmare. One minute you're flying high, next feels like the wheels are coming off. It's thrilling, scary, it's unpredictable, and whether you're a startup or you're turning over 100 million plus, growth is really, really easy to get wrong. So we've made The Right Way to Grow podcast. It's a podcast with hosts and guests who've seen growth firsthand. They can spot the pitfalls and the opportunities, and they're gonna share their ideas and their experiences with you. If you're a growing business, want to grow a business, or are having trouble growing your business, The Right Way to Grow is the one place to come to find out how to get growing by getting all your foundations working perfectly together. So if you're currently listening to hundreds of different podcasts to try and find the nuggets and hidden gems, we're about to save you a ton of time. Every month, we'll do deep dives into big questions around growth with some very special guests, and every week we'll fill you in on the latest hot developments in the world of e-commerce and growth, because obviously all that stuff changes every single week. So if you want to grow the right way, all you've got to do now is hit the subscribe button so you never miss an episode. Paul, thank you so much for joining us on The Right Way to Grow. How are you? Yeah, very good. You're more than welcome. It's great to be here today. Amazing. And I've, I've got to say a special thanks, Paul, because you're from Bloomreach. Bloomreach is one of the partners of this season of the podcast. So it's an absolute pleasure to get you on the show. And when I saw the title that came across as, hey, here's a topic that you could talk about. And it was why AI is the future of e-commerce. I was like, we need more than an hour on the mics. But we've got an hour set aside. So I'd love to unpack that. But before we do, how about we do a bit of scene setting? Can you just introduce yourself, who you are, and what you do over at Bloomreach? Yeah, so my name is Paul Edwards. I'm a technical product strategist. Um, that means I run the labs here at Bloomreach. Um, and that really means that I get to play with technology. I get to kind of chew on ideas. I get to test things out and challenge things. And although I kind of officially work in product, I don't I, I don't make product. I make um, experiments. I work with customers. And, uh, and for me, I, it's a dream job, really, because I get to uh, 
I get to have ideas and play with them. Um, and sometimes they work, sometimes they don't. Sometimes, you know, we move on quickly. Um, but I get to play with things like generative AI and, you know, emergent technologies. There's going to be some terms, and I'm very mindful that there might be some terms that you and me band about. So I'm going to play... Uh, I'm going to play the listener who has no idea of what AI is, and we're going to try and build that knowledge and understanding up throughout the pod, uh, and we'll we'll pull it round to generative AI in a little bit. Um, talk to me about some of the products that you've built. Just give me some, give me a flavour of like what's uh, what's new for you right now over at Bloomreach. Well, you know, the, in, back in November, it's going to come as no surprise. There was this this huge thing that happened. You know, ChatGPT landed, uh, and this this generative AI train left the station, and the whole world ran at it immediately. And what is generative AI? Um, well, well, Gen AI, generative AI, is this. Um, it's really a concept of of something that, that that looks at something that's gone before it and works out what the next piece will be. So I start a sentence, it finishes it for me. Is a really good example of it, right? That's uh, that's generating a sentence. You know, we see it as chatbots. We see it as this kind of you know this thing which which people are anthropomorphizing and almost thinking of like a person. Uh, but it's there in lots of different ways. It's there as image. It's there as you know understanding things. Um, yeah, that, that's really what I would understand as, as as the core of things that's going on right now. Just to build on that, um, because I think people are listening to this and going, "Hold on, I thought that like AI was like this magical thing in a box." And I just want to just spend a little bit of time there because when I got my head around this in the first place, I was like, "Oh, it's sort of." I guess to use your example of like chat GPT and, and please build and correct me if, if any of your thinking here is wrong, but I think it's important for people to get the foundations. It basically looks at a whole corpus of data, like everything that's been written and goes actually based on the question that you're typing of all the times that we've seen things like this in the past, we're basically predicting the next word and the following word and the following word. That's that's all that's happening right now. I don't, I don't want to minimize it, but that's what's happening. Well, that's the basic model. That's the, the, the kind of core model. But then within that, you then feed it documents. So you can then say, based on the information I give you, what, what happens next? And it uses that background. It uses that learning that you say. Because if you think about that learning, that learning is a proxy for how people understand it. It's a proxy for the human race and the human condition and the human, you know, the, the English, in fact, all languages. It's, it's a kind of proxy for those things. So, you know, um, so then if you feed it data, it can then also look at that data and analyze that from a from a kind of typical language perspective. And you know, it, 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 the interesting thing is, it, it then has like these what we think of as like emergent pieces of behavior. So it's starting to be able to analyze um, you know data in a in a wider way. Like look at um, things like sales data. Look at things like what's converting and what's not, and be able to say, well, you know, you should be boosting these products, right? But only if you feed it the right data in, right? You can't just expect it to 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 come up with an answer without giving it anything, right? Because it's got a, like you say, it's just fed on the the sum total of knowledge, the sum total of like a massive great um, training set of data, which isn't necessarily completely up to date and isn't necessarily exactly what you want to see. Um, so you have to kind of guide it. You, you, this is the art of prompting. You, you kind of guide it, you feed it the right information, then you ask it the right question. And if you do all of those things right, you get the right answer out of it. But through the years, we, what we mean and what we say have been possibly subtly different things. We've become better at you know, writing things down. Um, so that prompting, that asking it for the right answer is an art all in itself. And that is the... I think I want this. I've learned to write this. I've learned to ask the right questions so that it gives me the right output, essentially. One thing that 
I know some listeners will be thinking right now is, okay, so kind of based on understanding of what AI is, there's all this data, and then we're, we're learning this prompt game. How do I ask the right questions to, to get it to infer what I'm trying to, what my output is, and then give me some, some data out? The question, I guess, for the brands that are listening, and if we try and zoom this in on, I guess, from an e-commerce perspective, is ChatGPT is fantastic as an example tool or BARD uh, for analyzing, I guess, very public data that's out in the world. How can a brand start to make it more relevant for what they do day to day in terms of their data set? Yeah, and it, there is a lot of work that we're doing on this front right now, and I think uh, a lot of the world is is kind of focusing on this right well on this right now. So, feeding it the right information, feeding it the right, you know, if you if you ask it a question about products, and you know, it doesn't know how to rank products, it hasn't learned how what is the correct product to put in front of somebody. Certainly not for you as a merchandiser. Certainly not to meet your business goals, right? So, so that learning the ranking, that learning setting it up to give the right answer to begin with becomes even more important so imagine i'm i'm going to ask this thing to write me a campaign and i want it to write a campaign on a couple of dresses uh great it can write copy against those dresses because you can feed it descriptions of those dresses and titles and all those good things but which dresses do you feed it in the first place is the question so there's a whole world around that there's a whole world around optimizing what is being fed into these things dynamically um so that it can make the right um the right answer essentially beautiful segue there for me paul to i guess ask more directly uh, around some of the products that bloomreach have because i know they are um something that you're passionate about and have been working on and if we could if we can just unpack some of the the new releases that you've had specifically around like clarity and lumi and just discuss those i then want to i just want to then rever- i guess we can reverse from that and go actually how does this become applicable and relevant for the merchants that are listening to this today and what are the first steps that they can do to start using this new technology sure well i actually start with lumi because lumi is our like internal technology so it's all of the all of the ai all of the algorithms all of the optimization that happens internally and has been happening internally for years right so we are we are in we are a you know, a platform that knows how to optimize for e-commerce. We know how to optimize sort order and search and categories and pages. And we have uh, campaigning and engagement on the side and, you know, uh, uh, um, strategies to reach out to people and, and communi- communicate with them. And we learn and we know how to communicate with those people and what time they like to be communicated with and all of those things. And what we've done then is to extend that into the generative AI space as well, so bringing Gen AI into that area as well. So being able to then generate titles, generate um, copy and content, and and really integrating that into the Lumi layer. So the Lumi, Lumi is really everything that makes things better for you as an e-commerce organization trying to serve your customers, the best way to think about it. And then we have the Clarity. And Clarity is, uh, is, is more on the front end. So Clarity is, um, you can think of it potentially as a, as a kind of chat-based um, uh, e-commerce interface. Um, and there's been a lot of experimentation going on on that front. We, uh, we launched it at the Edge Summit back uh, a couple of months ago. Um, and we launched a version which was just a pure chat on a website. Um, and that pure chat was fantastic because it, it, it filled that expert use case. So if you think about people going to a website, there's kind of two kinds of people. There's people who know exactly what they're looking for. If you're searching for socks, you're searching for socks, that's great. And that's right. And we can optimize socks and you know what you're searching for. And you know the, the pattern and the color and the uh, whether you want them thick or thin and all those good things. And that's what we think of as being a searcher use case. It's, it's quite well defined. And optimizing against that 
has been the art for years, right? They're optimizing that sort order of the socks that you bring back that not only meet what the person's shopping for, but meet your internal business goals as a company as well. So the ones that make you most revenue should probably be towards the top, but they should also be balanced against the ones that that specific shopper wants to buy as well. So there's that dimension. But then you've got the seeker use case, and the seeker use case is much more kind of feelings-based. It's much more kind of, you know, I'm redecorating my living room and I want an art deco feel and help me. Like it's not really about search terms. It's not really about well-defined things. And if you think about the seeker then, the seeker, there is a, a lot more kind of ambiguity and a lot more opportunity for you to optimize against them. You know, I'm having a meal tonight with my parents. You know, they like Napa wines. Help me. Like, and I don't want to spend 300 bucks. I want to spend 100 bucks. Like, you know what I mean? There's a whole there's a whole dimension in there of being almost asking to be led or asking to be assisted. And if you think about what, what these front-end technologies are doing, is they're, they're starting to take that, that, or not to take, but to work with that kind of front-end shopper or shopping assistant persona in this way. They're, they're helping you. They're being that trusted advisor, and they're helping you to get to the outcome you want to get to. Uh, and in the process of doing that, they're starting to strengthen your your interaction with that brand, making it a better experience to shop there. So you're going to want to go and do it again. Question that's just like popped up as you were talking about that is we talk about the prompts and the seeker in that situation is the person going in, typing the prompts, trying to get the answers. How does a brand start to, I guess, tweak the desired outcome that they want that that piece of technology clarity to deliver as in we talk about that art deco or the wine or the meal it's how does a brand say by the way these are the sorts of products that we actually make the most money on or this is what we're optimizing for or that's a new product for us how do you how do you create that that balance and feed that data into a tool like that so it's actually optimizing for what your business cares about and not just purely being based on this user's desire this is the perfect match because I guess at that point, uh, clarity could be like, actually, we don't sell this. Go to this store over here, which would be the exact would be a bloody nightmare. So, I mean, it, it's kind of interesting. There's multiple layers to this answer. So firstly, if you look at it just from a pure prompting layer, there's an answer there. So prompts in themselves, there are multiple levels too. So if you look at like speaking to OpenAI, looking to like ChatGPT or any of these Gen AI platforms, you kind of speak from a perspective. So you might say, you might basically wrap a prompt around the prompt saying, you are a shopping assistant. Like, act like a shopping assistant. Be friendly and helpful and talk about the products, but only talk about products from this website. Like, don't go and talk about ones from over there because that would be very bad for me. And, and use this tone of voice and only speak in this way and don't talk about whatever because that's just absolutely blacklisted. So there's a whole bunch of stuff like around around that there. But there comes a point at which the, you know, the rubber meets the road. You've got to then, if this organization stocks you know two million products how do you then go and find the right products because you can't pull all of those products into the chat there because it would take forever to render a response because it would have to iterate all two million products um and then try and work out which are the subset and then and i'll tell you right now that will a a it will take a very long time b it will cost a lot of money and c it will probably go wrong um so so doing that so that you can't feed it everything you can't very probably fine-tune the, the model itself against only that live catalog because you'd be tuning it every night because the catalog changes and evolves and therefore you'd have to keep tuning and tuning and tuning and that's again cost prohibitive so what you have to do is you have to build systems around the edge to feed it the things it wants to begin with so let's get it right let's feed 
the part of the catalogue or the part of the idea which is close to the thing that we're talking about so that we can then allow the kind of, you know, the, the generative part to, to, to do that piece of interaction. And that's where discovery comes in. That's where our, um, you know, our merchandiser analytics, where our, um, merchandise, our search platform comes in because it's, it's been doing those things for years, right? It's been doing those things for like 13 years. Um, it knows how to optimize based on performance. It knows how to optimize based on the, the core KPI goals of the, of the organization that's selling things and to merchandise those things. So you bring those together. Then the um, then the the chat element then knows when to call out and to pull the right products back. Those products are balanced in terms of what is the KPI, and therefore, within the massive universe of things it could talk about, you end up at the smaller universe, which is the the right stuff to talk about, and then you can go and generate against that without breaking the bank. And the other thing to say is that that actually the use cases that that this is um, applicable to, you know, are still. Um, are still like kind of being developed, right? So do you give this to everybody? Uh, question mark. Do you give it to absolutely everybody who comes to a website? Question mark, because there's a, you know, a running on OPEX associated with doing this. And, and um, you know, depending on how expert you want to be, those those costs can kind of mount. Um, or do you give it to certain, um, certain kind of scenarios within the kind of messaging cycle? So because we have engagement, because we have the, 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 the CDP platform, um, then we're very good at understanding where people are in their life cycle with a brand, right? So whether they are engaged and shopping there all the time, and they're on the site and they're doing these things, or whether they're starting to kind of slip off and, you know, kind of cease to engage quite as much. And there are opportunities in there, both in that, in that life cycle, but also opportunities in the individual purchase, opportunities in that I'm buying a new kitchen. Well, am I buying a new kitchen or did my fridge just blow up? Well, you know, that's two different things right there, isn't it? It's like, and it might be that today I come to the site and I, I look at a fridge and I look at five fridges and, you know, I come back tomorrow and, I, and I'm and i still looking at those fridges and, and you help me to purchase. Maybe you reach out to me. Maybe you, you time that kind of engagement heading out so it's right and you generate some text around the, the fridge that I've tended to want to look at and, and you close that piece off. And great. That's a, that's a success right there. But where do we go? Where do we go in terms of what's happening with that person after that? Um, you know, if they start looking at, at uh, dishwashers, then, you know, you probably know there's something going on in terms of the kitchen, right? But if they don't, if they start looking at cutlery and they start looking at crockery and they start doing these other things, well, we're going in a completely different directions as a shopper. So that, that talks about, you know, taking that customer data down into that conversation and being able to, on a one-to-one basis, know not only who these people are, not only what their preferences are, but where they are in that cycle, where they, where they are in moving between those kind of life cycle parts of buying, essentially. And I think about the example that you've given, and I guess just technology and AI and everything that's new, I try and take a, I guess, a first principles view of it and think of it in a real world situation. Uh, take it from 2D to 3D. And the, the way you just explained it to me is it kind of feels like your number one expert sales assistant so when someone walks into the store and someone's making a beeline for a, a dishwasher or a vacuum, and it's actually they're coming with something in mind. Let's not interrupt that journey. They know what they want. Whereas if someone's sort of meandering through a shop, looking at certain items, you might have someone that comes up with a bit of a consultative sell and says, hey, can I help you? Uh, is that like a, a fair analysis of what you're saying? Is that, that, that clarity? I think that's a great analysis. And I think packed inside that, there are a number of things. I think there's uh, that realizing that somebody is wondering 
is an interesting thing all of its own. Like so that that what am I? What, what am I really doing right now? Am I just looking at fridges? Because you know, yeah, maybe one day, maybe I'm interested in the fact that they've got like screens on the front of them, and how does that work? You know, or, or, or where do you plug the water thing in that makes ice? Like what's all that about? Um, or it might be that the, I am starting to hedge towards a considered purchase of of an entire kitchen. You know, just to I guess stay on that human element, uh, that expert sales assistant. Can imagine that some people listening to this or have just been very mindful of this probably for the last six to 12 months going is ai going to replace me um, and <laughs> i i just know that right now there'll be there'll be people in companies with certain roles thinking actually the, the tools that are being built are either encroaching or are taking over my role and responsibility how do you think about that yeah um so let's let's i mean let's start back at the industrial revolution right that is exactly what people said back then, right? They were like, you know, these machines have come along and I was working a field and now, ah, what am I going to do? And they rioted, right? People went crazy. Uh, the cotton mills came along the, and, and everybody's like, ah, what are we going to do? Uh, and what happened was that people became the people looking after the machines. They ended up pushed up the value chain. They became creative in a whole new way and life got better, right? So to put that backwards, I actually feel that we stand right on the beginning of an epoch right now, exactly the same as that. We have been um, we've been using this technology that's in front of us, um, and it's kind of worked, and it's kind of got us where we're going, but we've had to work really hard to make it do what we want it to do, right? And that's suddenly changed. We can suddenly ask a question and get an answer that actually relates to the question that we're asking, rather than have to write bags of code or build a big app or any, any stuff like that, it's, it's kind of changing. So um, this is a, a massive opportunity. If you look at merchants, look at marketers, look at these people, suddenly creative becomes a really interesting piece, right? You can give me five ideas for a campaign. What are we going to do this Christmas? Great. Um, and by the way, everybody else is doing that too. So there's a danger there that if everybody asks the same question, we, we head towards you know mediocrity. We had to head towards the same answer coming from everybody. So as always, there is um, room for humans to create. There is that spark and that genius and that thing that pushes you over the edge. It makes you worth more. And that's exactly what happened at the Industrial Revolution. It's exactly what's happening right now. It's the AI revolution instead right now. But there's always going to be human creativity. There's always going to be that spark. There's always going to be you look at five ideas and go, yeah, I get it. But actually, my voice is this, and and I think this, and 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 that's how you're going to differentiate. That's how you're going to how you're going to drive more value in yourself. And the difference now is you've got a hundred and fifty IQ friend back here who's going to feed you ideas that you can ask. Doesn't mean you can take your foot off the gas because anybody who does that always is going to have a problem. Just means we're going to be able to do things better, wider, with more options. We're going to have more research or we're going to have, coming back to where you started with, what, what is a, what is generative AI? What is it? It's a proxy for that language, proxy for how the human mind thinks or how language is constructed. We've now been able to ask that and find out these cool things. So that's great. And that gives you a new form of research, gives you a new form of generation, but it doesn't mean you can take your foot off the gas. It means you've got a foot's got to go You've got to learn a new muscle, right? You've got to learn to create in a new way. It's just that now rather than struggling to create, you get a bunch of creation and you work with it. So, you know, I think it's an amazing thing. This is a, like, it's an amazing time to be in technology. It's an amazing time to be in e-commerce because e-commerce is going to transform as a result of this. And, you know, it, it, we're probably going to see it in terms of, you know, SEO and things like that. Like 
imagine lots of people generating SEO content and it's all the same. Well, what does that say about the SEO world right there? Um, so yeah, I think to cut a, a short story long, um, human creativity is always the answer. I can I can already hear Ed and Jamie and the rest of our brand and creative team fist pumping at that. And I'll be, I'll be honest, I'm on completely the same page with you on this, which is to use your terminology, this AI revolution is it can do the heavy lifting, but the trending toward median, as you called it, I think is such a, a really interesting point, which is everyone's really working off the same corpus of data, the same, these LLMs, like they are, if everyone asks the same questions and doesn't add this layer of creativity, we'll all end up with exactly the same output. So the way that I sort of view it and use it today, being really honest, like the tools that I use, I get it to do probably 60% of the heavy lifting. Um, and then it becomes a time of actually, how do I add my flair, my my strategy, my thinking, my thoughts on top of it. So, and I think that's how I kind of see AI as a, a co-pilot compared to a replacer uh, to everybody's roles. Yeah. So, you know, 95% perspiration and 5% inspiration, that 5% inspiration is always going to be there. It's not going away ever. <laughs> 100%. And I think it's going to become more important now than ever, as you say, is because naturally, and I'm probably going to get someone subscribed to this, but I say generally marketers tend to be lazy. They find a hack, they find a tool, and they double down on it, but then everyone converges on the same thing. They kill a channel and then they move on to the next one. I think it's it's the people that adopt this early and then add that layer of, creativity on top that have a real opportunity now to win in this space. And it's not without its challenges, right? So it, it's very easy to go, this stuff is just answer to everything. Um, and it's it's a bright, shiny new tool that's amazing and is changing the world. And not saying it's not a tool like I, but, but there are challenges. There are challenges in terms of throughput. There are challenges in terms of scaling. There are challenges in terms of cost. All of these things, you know, um, are barriers to mass adoption in certain ways, right? So if you're going to try and, you know, serve every customer a chat experience like dynamically and as fast as searches, right? So and anybody who doesn't know, like listening to this, search is the most performance sensitive thing you can do on the internet, right? Bringing back or the, the art of search is to help people to finish the thought they were having for them. Right. So it's uh, I'm searching for a red dress. I'm searching for a red socks. Like it's the it's that that bringing that back as quickly and, and in the voice of that customer is is what we expect and what we've been trained to expect from search engines. Now, you look at when you interact with a search, with a with a chat, if you look at the way that it generates, it goes tick, 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 tick. And in a way, because you almost hear the person talking in your head, you must hear that that this is a pair of da, da, da. Um, then then that's kind of okay, but it's a different experience to search. It's it's not replacing it, right? It's going to work with it. So there are times when, like I said, this seeker thing. I you know I come and I'm searching for socks and show me socks and bam, I'm done and I'm out of there and great and that's fantastic. That optimization of the site and that isn't going to go away. However, I can't ask that which is the best pair when, when you know, my rabbit chews on my socks and, and wrecks them every day. Like, there's just no way I can ask that. What you need is an expert system at that point in time or a system. That, I also can't ask it, you know, tell me more about the second one and do you have that under, like, $30? Because there's a whole concept of context held in there. And that context piece is, is kind of really important because it happens within the individual conversation but also out to what is the frame of the customer, what is the frame of the brand, and it kind of gets bigger and bigger and bigger as you work with it. So... So those things are always going to exist together, but there are 
there's a long way to go in this journey yet. And it's a fantastic journey to be on, I have to say. So someone listening to this right now is probably thinking, okay, there's a, there's a, there's a tool here, which I've heard the buzzwords for. I thought it was just a chat tool online that everyone's using. And I didn't realize I could actually apply it into my econ business. If you were giving someone consultancy on how to increase efficiencies, what's the first things that a DTC brand should be thinking about doing today? So I think the broad advice is everybody should use generative AI, full stop. Like it's just the number one piece of, let's forget brands, let's forget, just forget general career advice right now. Use it, become a native, just become comfortable with it um, because it's going to be here and you need to be on top of it. It's exactly the same thing as when Excel and Microsoft and all those things came along or Mail came along or the iPhone came out, any of those things. Just, just get comfortable with it. Then you need to get creative with it. How do I apply this to the things I'm trying to do? And not fall into the traps we've just spoken about, that mediocrity trap. Don't do that. You need to, you need to apply it and then apply yourself to it, essentially. And you need to look at, so if you look at, you know, us as a platform, um, then we're all about you know, enabling people to campaign and enabling people to re-engage. And all of that is also linked to creativity. So there are creative ways to make emails. There are creative ways to, to you know, generate titles, but also then creative times to work out when people want to be um, communicated with, how they want to be communicated with, what channels they want to be communicated with, how, what's the tone of voice that you want to use to do those things. So, Gen AI has a place in all of those, right? Generative AI has a place in pretty much anywhere where there's language. Okay, so um, so yeah, so that would be my my core advice would be just embrace it, right? And embrace it within, or look at and work with technologies which help you to embrace it, because that's the future. Someone right now is thinking, I really want to use this tool, but I don't want to start uploading all of my trade secrets, my data and stuff into these platforms. Like, how do you think about that and, I guess, pacifying that anxiety of someone? I guess we're talking, you know, talking in terms of platform first is, you know, we have, like, we have, you know, agreements that, that our data isn't used for training and it doesn't get leaked. And there's a whole there's a whole load of governance around the edge of making sure that the stuff that we build doesn't have any of that uh, hangover associated with it. However, just talking to, you know, a general merchandiser and a general merchant, like, you don't have to give your data to the platform to get it to create. Right, you can you can generalize and then pass it generalized stuff, and it will quite happily go and um, you know create things. So you don't need to give it the the family secrets. You don't need to give it the you know the the the, the accounts of your company in order to get it to create something for you. You can say, hey, look, I want to run a campaign on jeans. Help me help me help me put this campaign together. Right, that's kind of you know spit all this out. So that's a lot less risk than uploading financial data. <laughs> Paul, we've mentioned Gen AI and this whole uh, idea around conversational commerce. How do these two things link together? How can Gen AI actually open that door to conversational commerce? Yeah, it's really interesting. If you look at, you know, we've been, you look at like things like call centers, like if you look at kind of rewind to last year, the call center and or those pop-up bots on the side of a website and um, they were rubbish. They were like, we, we tried to, they were clunky. They were like based on these trees and you end up caught in a loop and you couldn't get to talk to the person you wanted to and you, you never got to the end. And and that was the last generation, right? That was this kind of tree-based conversational thing which didn't ever quite do what you wanted to do. And it's one of those things, if you make a if you make a seat for the average-sized person, nobody will find it comfortable because nobody is the average-sized person, right? It's, uh, it's um, yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's an old kind of principle. Um but then generative AI 
suddenly changed the game immediately because it meant we could ask general questions. It meant we could ask things that were close and stuff that was clunky and would have taken thousands of lines of code, to be quite frank, to, to be able to do. Like the whole field of NLP, like a natural language processing, that changed overnight. You could ask a generic question from the same knowledge base and get good answers. So that's what that's what the real kind of, you know, the, the epiphany moment was. It was like suddenly this can work and it can be scalable. Now, that's great, but those things can get out of control really quickly. Uh, you can, there's been a, obviously loads of document cases of the tone of voice going wrong and talking about shouldn't be spoken about. So the art then comes of how do you keep this thing on track? How do you keep this thing talking about the right thing? How do you make sure it only talks about your thing? How do you make sure that it's talking in a in a way that your customers like to hear as well? Um, and maybe that's different for individual customer and certainly probably for age group it's it's different and it's probably a, a you know a verbosity even thing like how long the response is between different age groups would really could even differ. So so that's been the that's been the thing is that that that, that generative AI has, has completely transformed the opportunity for conversational commerce. And that's where we're at. We're trying to work that out. We're trying to work out what is the correct way to enable brands to do that, to maintain the brand voice, to maintain the brand uh, with the customer and then to drive revenue as a, as a result. As we sort of draw to a close here, I always like to do this thing, especially when it's around like new technologies, emerging technologies and I love this AI revolution as you've defined it. If you had an opportunity to sit back and future gaze for a minute, where does this industry go to? Like, how does AI impact e-commerce, or how will it be impacting e-commerce in, let's say, five years' time? And for me, even to think five years out of what's been achieved in the last year feels like actually, Adam, let's just talk about in twelve months' time. But maybe you define the time frame and just let me know what do you think is possible here. Well, that's a, that's a heck of a question, I have to say. Um, you know, whatever we say is going to be wrong in, in response to that, I've got to say, because we can't even imagine where this is going right now. I think there are fundamental questions about where information sits and about our relationship with technology as a human race. I think how what the internet is, is, is actually a big question right now. I think that Will it be about search, like from the kind of global sense? Will we have this concept of, you know, something here that's helping me, that I trust, that it kind of is my virtual friend and is is kind of interacting with things on behalf of me? Will it be kind of agent-based? Will it be, will it just, we just don't know. We don't know where it's going. We know that the train's left the station. We know that there's massive opportunity. Um, you know, we're seeing that, that everybody, I mean, CO, CXO, see everything is, is, all talking about generative AI. Um, and the world doesn't quite yet know what it's going to do with it, I think it's fair to say, right? So do we think it applies to commerce? Yes, we think it applies to commerce. Do we think it applies to the human condition? Absolutely it applies to the human condition. In fact, I had this conversation the other day. It's really, really, really interesting. Somebody said to me, you know, people, like old people talking to generative AI and, and almost kind of um, having a relationship with it. Is this a good or a bad thing? And I'm like, you know what? If you've ever been to the shops, yeah, if you've ever been to the shops and you stood there in the queue and there's an old guy at the front of that queue and you look at them talking to the person they're checking out from, you think, you know what? That could be the only person that that, that guy speaks to all day. And you think, well, you bring that back into inflection. You say, is it a good or a bad thing? Well, for that guy, 
It's a great thing, right? It's great. It's it's keeping that cognitive thing going and it giving a sense of um, a sense of kind of engagement. If it's the only person they speak to and the only person they want to speak to, well, that's a kind of a different question, right? Because because there could be a, a harmful perspective there as well, because it kind of is is then taking apart society. So so there are no easy answers. There are no there are no it's it's not clear where we're going as a as a as a race with respect to generative AI. It's going to transform e-commerce. Uh, it gives us the opportunity to, as I was talking about earlier, find this kind of seeker use case and unlock that to generate revenue. And that's great because that, I think, probably is the doorway to like where we're evolving to. Whether that involves websites, whether that involves you know big search engines, the you know the public search engines, whether that involves going to URLs or whether that involves kind of asking things to go to URLs instead. We just don't know. I think it's fair to say as we wrap up, Paul, that the genie is out the bottle when it comes to AI. And to your to your point, this thing is not going back in and it's the brands that I'd love if you kind of take us 15, 20 minutes back in the conversation is your, I guess, more broad advice to anyone listening is become a native on this, test it, try it, play with it same as any new and emerging technologies this thing isn't going anywhere and it's the brands that adopt it learn play iterate and get familiar with it that are probably going to have that unfair advantage over the next three to five years onwards absolutely and that's where we're at as an organization so we are all about doing that we're all about helping brands do that we're all about enabling to work with algorithms and generative ai and about those pieces and about helping them to transform so you know that is our that is essentially our, our key um, and we've been doing that for, like we say, for like 12, 13 years with, with search and engagement. Um, and, and I think it's a massive opportunity. So, uh, yeah, we look forward to, and we look forward to talking to anybody who wants to, wants to reach out to us as well. So, uh, happy to do that. Paul, I've really enjoyed this conversation. And if, if anyone listening to this right now wants to carry on the learning around generative AI, and I guess other ways that I know Bloomreach can support e-com brands. There's a link in the show notes of this very podcast. You can head over to their use case library. Paul, thanks so much for your time today. Thanks, Adam. Cheers. As we wrap up today's episode, I want to say thank you for tuning in, and I truly hope you enjoyed it. If you're new to the podcast, don't forget to hit that subscribe button so you get notified the next time we drop an episode. If there are any questions or follow-up topics you wish I got to with today's guest, please email me. It's adam at thegrowth.foundation. That's adam at thegrowth.foundation because I've told all guests I might follow up for a quick five, 10 minute follow-up show in case there's anything our audience wanted us to get to. Anything that we've covered in today's show, you can find as links in the show notes of the podcast, as well as links to our partners, Bloomreach and Verse. And lastly, if you haven't yet joined our newsletter, make sure you do. We've got something special planned for the end of season one, where we're taking 10 listeners of this podcast out for dinner as a little thank you for being a subscriber. Stay well, speak soon. I'll catch you next time on The Right Way to Grow.